0: Hey, to come in and meet man. Y'all to see me eat man. Hit on the meat, man. Y'all to see me eat man. I got jaws like a bear, trap, a teeth like a razor. I made a tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I was born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle greener showing the hell like a meet of the meat man. Y'all to see me eat
1: man.
2: Thank you for watching the best barbecue show. I'm here with Dr. Daniel Clark and Diana Clark, the meat scientists here at the Certified Angus Beef Culinary Center, uh, and we've spent the last two days actually cutting up some beef. Mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks for all your like time, and you, know, you, you really mentored us through the whole process. You did one side, and then there were two other sides that we got to chop up, and it was really uh, way more educational than I expected it to be. How often do you get to do that?
0: Uh, we break down sides of beef pretty much every week. I mean, usually, we have three to four groups that are coming into the center, um, and most of them will have sizes that won't break down. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's neat to see the, I guess, the cultures that come out of people as they're they're cutting beef. You have different personalities and different sets of skills, so it's yeah, it's always a a new game.
2: Well, and we got to really learn about. Do you pick different cuts depending on like we looked at a lot of barbecue cuts, the brisket, the plate ribs
0: yeah so we always try to see who's coming in and like if it's a chef group we want to make sure we know that chef group really well look at what their current menu is and think okay what holes do they have that we can be additive in and let's make sure we show them these cuts let's make sure they taste the cuts that's always key and then different ways to cut them or different applications with their food too is it's just we want to make sure that they're getting the most out of their visit while they're here because we do cram it into such a short period
2: It was still two days and it was super fun to, I mean, I think you purposely left the brisket for the second day so that we'd still be excited to come in. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's also just cool to see really where, you know, now I can look at a side of beef and say, oh, that's the brisket. Like I I knew generally, you know, I know I'm like, oh, it's right here. Mm -hmm. But now I know really right here and I really know where the plates are and I really know where the the actual like steak, rib steaks come from.
0: And that helps too tremendously from a cooking standpoint because if you understand where it's at on the animal then you can realize, okay, this is what it was probably doing while the animal was alive. It was ho- involved in a lot of locomotion. It helps you, okay, do I need to put a marinade on it? Do I need to uh, cook it low and slow or uh, what's the best cooking application for that cut? And that's kind of part of it too, doing that breakdown.
1: Yeah. Plus we got to try some of the different cuts, some like the, the cuts out of the round and the loin and so forth kind of show what they tasted like kind of help too
2: yeah so for all you watching we're in kind of the back of the culinary center and the next room over is a big kitchen with a plancha and ovens and stoves and a green egg and there's a southern pride outside what else you guys do much of the cooking or you oh stay no in here? so
0: i used to think that i knew how to cook prior to working here and then i realized okay i know nothing about cooking so our six amazing chefs on staff they're incredible and i i'm just learning how to salt and pepper a steak correctly so i'm almost there almost
2: <laughs> well i um, wouldn't compare yourself you know it's like them trying to come in here and butcher so yeah you, know, you yeah. guys have a, a one-up on each other yeah
0: that's we're here to help each other out that's how, how we look at it
2: but the cool thing is is that we got to take it right off the side of beef and mm-hmm. throw it right in a pan throw it right in the oven mm-hmm. um you know i would have enjoyed to cook the brisket and some other things but of, of course we don't have time to spend all day here uh have you done other experiments with the cooking?
0: Yeah, we've done. So usually people will write in or anything or get comments and questions about stuff. Hey, is there differences between this? And so we want to try to make sure that we give, get a scientific approach to it more than anything rather than just, oh, this is what we think. So, we'll look at different cuts in terms of tenderness. Like, we've taken the top sirloin and broken that apart and actually taken Warner Bros or shear force of it. So, that's actually picking up the tenderness um, of it, how much force it's going to take to bite through that steak to see, okay, yeah, the culotte actually is the most tender piece on that top sirloin. And we have those values to prove it because we've had those questions about it. Um, so, usually people will come up with ideas and then we're like, yep. Yeah, let's try it. I mean, that's the beauty of this. It's You have this playground almost to to try new things.
2: And the culotte's also called the picanha?
0: Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah. And it's interesting, like I say plancha and people say griddle, you know, there's even in the different regions of barbecue people. Did you hear anything or see anything that kind of was new to you this last
0: few days? I think so. And what about you? Yeah, there's
1: every group that comes in, you learn something new or some different term. There's so many different names for every cut that's out there. So we're always trying to learn what everyone's trying to call it. And I don't think we'll ever get get there. They're just...
0: Unless they use the Latin terms. I mean, that would just clarify everything so well. So I don't... I'm just know. starting
2: with those, so that's my weakest point. Okay, well, I can
0: send you a great PowerPoint on yeah. it, so that way that would be great. Actually, okay. I'm
2: actually thinking about you guys have an awesome butcher's catalog. Yes. I kind of want to pick up a copy of one of those. Yeah, yeah
0: you should definitely because that, and that helps with like the numbers and you kind of be more of a, a meat geek. Plus, I'm that's trying great. to hang
2: out with Jess Pryor more, and she knows all that stuff. Oh yes, she does. She's yeah, a, she's a big nerd too.
0: Just does her her research prior to, so she will actually she's given us a lot of the little projects ahead of time, but that's why I. I really love Jess for that reason, because she makes sure that she's delivering the correct information. It's not like this is what I think. It's no, I want to make sure this is right and I wanna know as much as I can about it before I talk about it. So I bet she
2: sends you like a bulleted like hey, this is what
0: yeah, I Yeah, she's like, want to Hey, I about. have some ideas. And then it's just like a list of stuff. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's really awesome. Uh, because I love I love the the nerdy, fun uh, you know, that they it's a safe space, at no point in here where you guys, like, hey, dummy, you're holding the knife backwards. Like, you guys do things your way. You're happy to show kind of everyone their style, and it's cool that you create such a positive environment.
0: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Plus, you two
2: get to work together. That
1: seems like something you're happy about.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's rather new.
1: I've only, you've been here about five years, mm-hmm. going on like in February, well, a couple of days. Sunday. Yeah, and yeah. then I've, I've only been here for like seven, eight months, something oh, like cool. that. So I'm really, really new with the brand.
0: Nice. We met working together, though, so that's it makes it. I guess it's just normal. It felt actually really weird when we weren't working together.
2: So you worked in where did you work together?
0: At University of Illinois. So he was working on his PhD while I was working on my master's. So just our desks. You're both like. No, no. no. He's, <laughs> high level. He's a little bit yeah. high level.
2: That's still. I mean, that's, that's years and years of extra school.
0: Yeah. For a, both of you. It was good. It so was good. what's your,
1: what did you get your PhD in? So technically my PhD was in animal science, I be my diploma, but it was focused and you can choose what focus you want. So my focus was like in meat science. Um, yeah, so we did we did a lot. I coached our meat judging team as a Jew um, for a few years and did some research projects in there as well. And meat judging as in the
2: butchering of it
1: or? So no, our meat judging team is comprised of intercollegiate meat judging team. So most land grant institutions have a meat judging team. We go around and compete with one another, um, and basically it is trying to determine, there's, there's four cuts, or four, maybe four ribs, or four loins, or whatever it might be, all set out, and you have to determine how to rank them, so best to worst, and then you have to write reasons on why did you choose to place them best to worst. I like to think of it, there's also a little bit of grading in there and some other specifications that go into there, but really it's a, it's a conduit. They use that competition setting as a conduit to get students into the meat industry. Before something like that, they have no experience with it, so they use that type of a setting to really just push people into that, and get exposed to it.
2: Yeah, and I notice from actually trying to butcher the meat ourselves that it's hard to, you know, when you get a butcher piece of meat, there's there's, there's no, you know, sometimes when you're you're cutting, you kind of get these, like, little blades as you're, and, yeah. I mean, the way y'all do it, you know, you have this, this knife technique, and I'm sure you keep the knife super sharp, so you really... You know, it's a smooth cut. You know, I'm trying to trim a brisket, and I'm getting all these jagged little things. It's, it's cool to see a, a, a real hand at it.
0: It just takes time. Practice. I mean, I'm not, because I, I'm nowhere near as good as yeah. many other people in packing plants and everything that do all these major cuts all the time. I, but, yeah, I yeah. mean, just strength and practice, really.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it does. When you go in and tour some of these packing facilities, it's, it you sit there and watch. And you're like, hmm, yeah. They, they've been doing this for a long time. and do it in, day now, every day, and... We always had something to learn. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to get one of those, uh, the like metal holster. Scabbard uh, things, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: See, those scare me just slightly yeah. because I was on the harvest floor at, at Illinois. And I, you, you stand up on these benches, and we're stepping across to the next one to help rinse down the animal and everything. And I slipped and I fell and I had my knives at my side. And our professor who was there, he's like, where are your knives? Where are your knives? That's like the first thing he said when I hit the floor. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so since that day, I have I really would rather not have them on me in case I fall. But it does look pretty cool. I mean, you do yeah. feel like you're yeah. kind of tough. I'm yeah, like right. you. I
1: prefer the knives on the edge of the table. That way no one, no one gets hurt. You just always put the knife back. And yeah,
0: it's just good yeah. practice
1: but well and I think it's cool the setup you have I mean there's a bunch of tables
2: you've got this nice rail system going through so obviously you know side of beef isn't that easy to move uh, yeah do you, do you generally I guess all you have to do is kind of lift it I, I feel like I never saw you actually put it on the table so yeah
0: we try to do that job. behind scenes because it's not as graceful we almost had a side on the floor this morning
1: <laughs> <laughs> someone started laughing as we were carrying it <laughs> we're
0: from the rail over to that table and, couldn't stop laughing. So like, down here, like, oh on, no, no, I still got it." Oh, uh, it was pretty close. It didn't hit the floor though, so we we're okay. Uh, you have cool. a name
2: for beef that hits the floor, don't you?
0: Well, it depends on where it comes from. But yes, if it's from the chuck, then it'd be ground chuck. Ground chuck.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was a coffee joke while we were uh, <laughs> while we were chopping stuff up, uh, and it's just so, it's so satisfying to have all this knowledge to take back with me. And it was great that, you know, you guys really adapted to all of us had our phones out and our, cameras and stuff so i'm guessing you're used to that now everyone's trying to get a picture of every moment of it
0: yeah it's it's pretty neat to see and especially i mean just standing back and watching it and seeing everyone get excited like you see the light bulbs go on and stuff oh can i record them like yeah that means i'm showing you something valuable so like i, yeah. I really do appreciate it and not
1: everyone has the opportunity every day to to do what we're doing so it's fun that they think it's interesting and so forth and they actually do have an opportunity Come and break something down and, and see. Not only that, but then cook it right beside there and, and try it. Yeah, that's kind of a fun thing for them.
2: And you also mentioned you like having the barbecue people last because oh, yeah. we're the most fun. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: that was I, you guys rounded out the week perfectly. Like it's, <laughs> if if I could end the week with barbecue guys every week, I would love to do that. <laughs> you heard it here.
2: <laughs> barbecue people are the best. It's family, uh, but that's what the show's all about. Uh, but I mean, you guys get to work together. You have this amazing space and. You get to work on certified Angus beef, which, I mean, modest marbling is kind of an understatement. We saw some pretty beautiful beef in some of these cuts.
0: Oh, yeah. And this was the one side that we had. I mean, that was by far the best side of beef I've ever broken down in my life, which is it's pretty awesome.
2: We were talking about how there almost needs to be like a... Like super prime. Super prime yeah. or something above prime because we just saw... I mean, even the Denver was... It oh was my like gosh! Striped.
0: Yeah, it was gorgeous. I think ah. someday it's gonna happen. Speaking of
2: steak, I think the chefs are bringing us. Chef Peter here has a
0: nice, a
2: couple things for us to taste. Some
0: steak here, grass-fed USDA choice. Two more coming. Cool.
2: So we've got a USDA choice and a grass-fed. I'm guessing the last one's going to be certified Angus beef?
0: I think we have a dry age as well.
2: Ooh. That was in our cabinet. And oh, I didn't mention that also, is that a lot of these sides you save, uh, what do you call all the ribs in one piece like that? The r-
0: so just a full rib, um, if it has a cap and wedge piece on there, that's what we try to leave that exterior on there for dry aging, um, because it's going to help protect it a little bit, and that way we can just peel it off and get a higher yield on our steaks. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: there's a fridge also in the kitchen that has, what, ten of those?
0: Yeah, right now I think there is seven in there right now, um, but we're planning on, I'm going to adjust a few on Monday, and hopefully we could get at least three more in there.
1: In addition to a bunch of salumis that Diana works really hard on too. Yeah I'm, running
0: low on, yeah, I'm running low on them. I need to make more. days.
1: 115?
2: Oh, yeah. Wow. So tell us about what's in front of us here yeah so we
1: have so this would be our just um usda choice Then we have a grass fed so we um and we'll i'll try these and we'll talk a little bit about them i guess and then the certified against beef and then the dried 150 days and i don't know where you want to where do you want to start uh i mean i f- i feel like
2: we should start with the the choice no sounds good yep. Leave the, save the best for last
1: sounds good
0: <laughs> all right
1: go ahead <clears throat> And so this is a sirloin. It's actually a strip steak, a New York strip steak. So this is gonna come right off, the, right off the short line.
2: Not bad, a little bit of chew. Maybe a little more than a little bit of chew.
0: I think the biggest thing too is the, um, the juiciness. Like it's there on the first bite, but as you keep chewing, it kinda of starts to go away. And then it's kind of a little bit harder to sponge. swallow a little yeah yeah that's a good way to describe it it is like
1: squeezing out a sponge yeah the the interesting thing with usda choice now is that you used to be able to get back before we had these branded beef programs you used to be able to get a nice um a nice steak from there but now since we have these branded beef programs they are taking all of the good steaks and branding them with with certified as beef and that's leaving only low choice in the box so that you're only getting steaks primarily that that don't meet other specifications like we have so that that's that's all you're left with
0: and the Um, common consumer thinks that low choice tastes exactly like select so a lot of times people will say oh i've got usda choices it's great it's like maybe at one point it was great but it's not so great anymore yeah
1: Mar- well, oh, go ahead. That marbling is really key. I mean, that is absolutely key in determining the quality of the meat. If you don't have the marbling, you're not going to have the tenderness, you're not going to have the flavor, you're not going to have the juiciness. And that's, in, that's point in case with what we have with that particular sample. Yeah. And for those who don't know,
2: it starts with select, yep. then choice, and then prime. Yep. And then there are in choice and prime, there's a little, there's not really a level in select, it's just select. Yeah. And yep. then choice has a few kind of high, low choice.
0: Yeah, you have low, average, and high. And, and the, then
2: the same thing in prime? Yep. Yeah. And then we tried some super prime earlier. Yes, we did. <laughs> An unofficial term. <laughs> yeah. Uno- unofficially super prime. We're not going to act like that's real. All right, so we're going to try it. Now, this is a the same cut, grass-fed?
0: Yeah, grass-finished. Yeah. Grass-finished. We like to say that because all beef is grass-fed at some point in their life. It's just how they're finished. And this one was finished with grass.
2: And so they, I mean, obviously, yeah, that's what you see is cows are grazing. They're eating grass. So by grass-fed, this is actually saying grass-finished. So do we know what this is actually graded at?
0: So they, where we get this from, they actually don't have a USDA grader come in and evaluate the animal in terms of marbling. Um, they just know that it is a grass-finished product because they get it from a, a local farmer. It's actually just right up the road, uh, right there. So that's just, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I mean, a little better, but another one, of- you know, it's got got that same kind of juicy first
1: bite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then the key again, is it goes back to marbling and the, and the grass fed, some people really prefer it, but the problem I, I find with it is that it just doesn't have quite the marbling to, to give you that same juicy flavor that tenderness that you really desire when you're thinking about a steak and that's just because those those particular cattle aren't eating all that energy dense feed that they need to basically put on the marbling they get when they have something like corn
0: and my palate really just is not used to the grass finished taste it it definitely has a unique flavor to it um and some people love it and and that's that's why it's here because everyone has their own choice but i'm i'm just not used to that one that's yeah.
2: for sure. Well, and I'll be honest, you know, before I really got into barbecue, which was almost 10 years ago now, I really had no idea about choice, prime, grass fed, grass finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've been doing a lot of learning myself on just what these things mean and realizing that, oh, choice is you know, the word choice sounds like, oh, it's like a they chose this one
0: yes yeah so
2: it's it's a little and select even sounds like i know better. right yeah, it yeah.
0: does and you if you actually look at research studies it shows that a common consumer walking into a store is going to think that select is better than choice so it gets very very confusing mm-hmm. and that's why we try to make things really simple it's just you just look for the logo yeah. i mean that look that, for the angus yeah that, that makes it easy well
2: and i think it's a uh, you know, like any branding, you know, I do branding for the show, and a lot of the barbecue joints that watch and listen, they do a ton of branding, too. And oh, yeah. For any branding, it's it's difficult, but you you just have to constantly show people, this is the brand, this is the, the one you want.
0: Yeah, this is the quality that you're going to so get. So should we get to the good one? I think so. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take
2: yeah. Uh, so this is the same cut?
0: Yep, still on the strip loin. We like to stay, so especially when you're doing this, taste the difference. We like to stay consistent with the same cut all the way across so you can compare apples to apples. Um, And then the strip itself is just one major muscle in there. So it doesn't lead, like the ribeye, great cut, but now if I get it from the loin end, it's going to be a different, you might have some different muscles in there versus the chuck end of the ribeye. So you can have some variation through. This is pretty much consistent all the way through. So we always try to use a center cut. Well, and, uh,
2: and just from the i mean obviously the chefs and their precision but just from the type of beef you can almost see a difference in the cook mm-hmm. um you can see yeah. a, a different color you can see
1: more fat in the muscle yeah you could definitely mm-hmm. see the fat and it's important to point out that they also are all cooked the exact same the chefs know and we do taste the difference that's something we want all of them on an equal playing field again so we can taste those differences the beefiness is what was missing mm-hmm. in the other ones mm-hmm. yeah it's that flavor that marbling just takes the flavor <laughs> Yeah, that
2: Even, it's like a beef butter, you know? Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain, but it's like sweet and
1: smooth. Absolutely.
0: And it coats your mouth as you're chewing, like that your mouth stays lubricated and you can continue to chew, you have more moisture because it tastes that flavor, so you're you're adding to it. And, yeah, it, it, and finally, from like a already. tenderness standpoint too, I mean, you could just pull, I probably could cut that with a fork. Well, and the beautiful
2: thing is, you know, I'm a big fan of the brand. I'm not getting paid to be here. You know, I I have no incentive to like this except that I actually like Good
0: it. Get to and eat really nice We made beef. friends a
2: while back at conference, and I've been a big fan ever since. And yeah. y'all's beef is just killing it. You know, a lot of the a lot of people don't know, but uh, certified Angus beef is the briskets that people are using in Austin, and they're just blowing people away. And especially because. It's a, a well-marbled, well-raised animal. A lot of those briskets are really big. So like these big slices of just, you know, kind of that mix of the
1: point, and the flat, and oh, yeah.
0: yeah. I would say as a
1: as a scientist, I think that those. So since we're built on ten carcass specifications, they really yeah. ensure. I mean, since every carcass has to meet those ten, it just ensures that they are going to be a high eating quality, and it's going to be consistent product product. It's not going to be something good once and not good another time. It's yeah. going to be consistently good every time. Well, I'm, I'm going to
2: take a bite of this dry age, but can you give us a quick, you don't have to go over all 10, but give us an overview of the ones that really mm-hmm.
1: help that, uh, that yeah. get juicy. Yeah. So I would say one in, in my mind, the absolute Thank most you. important specification that we have is that all of our, all of our cattle have to have modest or higher marbling, which means that it needs to be average or high choice and not only about three out of 10 cattle, so they can get to that point. Most cattle simply won't have enough marbling. Most cattle are gonna grade out between select and low choice. So it's about seven out of 10 cattle are gonna be down in there, um, which if they had, are down in there, they just simply don't have enough marbling to grade well. Now we have nine other specifications that also kind of weed out some other, other issues um, that can come around there, including quality and consistency. But that by far, that marbling specification is the most important one we have do you have any others that you particularly like? Oh. Uh, you
0: got to take a bite of that first. Yeah. Yeah. I can smell I the like say, I know that I it. smelled it before I even ate it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm.
2: So we've got 115 day dry age certified Angus beef.
0: Oh, yeah. See, the funny part is so I like, I take so much. Oop.
2: <laughs> What's up, Chef Tony? You guys filming? Yeah. Were you filming? How's <laughs> it going? We are. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi. Tony's just hanging out Can on the car. Can you cover. save me
0: some sirloin clap for Monday? Yeah, um, I already put some on the cart. Because I'm not serving this dry age. It's okay. disgusting and uh, it's revolting. Make sure
1: you edit that, that out. out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll <save it>. <laughs> 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 Chef Tony Biggs
2: always a character. <laughs> you guys get to interact with him more than I do. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. He's he's awesome.
0: He's, his last name's Biggs for a reason because he he comes up with some incredible ideas. Um, he he does blow me away more more that like that. <laughs> I just love him. Uh,
2: and it's interesting because it's it's juicy, but there is like a like the the the, the drying of the steak kind of gives it. It looks like it would be tougher, like it's a tighter muscle, Yeah. but then you bite it and it's soft.
0: Oh, it's so tender. And you get that, the nuttiness, the beefiness, that aroma Mm. to it is incredible. And I, like, I take so much pride in these because I take them and I put them in that cooler and then I let them sit there and then I cut them. And I feel like they're like part of me, but I really didn't do anything. It's the beef. I just let it sit on a shelf for a few weeks and then called it good. But oh my gosh, like. I get so excited when we cut into one to, to try it. I'm like, what What did you taste like? Like, what, let's see, let's see what you're gonna be like. And yeah,
1: the cool part about dry age is you never know what it's gonna taste like depending on where you're at. Every different region of the United States or the world, depending on where they're at, is gonna taste just a little bit different to their own. The own cooler will have their own unique flavor, mm-hmm. which is really cool. When you, think, when you think about the dry age and how it tastes. Well, and you're kind of at the whim of the the things in the air,
2: mm-hmm. even maybe even where the cattle's from, or where whether you're in Ohio or wherever. I mean, you do check them throughout the the aging, right? Yeah, kind of see the the color, and you make sure that it's not. Because it can go bad, but it's in a control system like this, it really is hard
0: to do. Yeah, we just want to make sure that the temperature is right and that the fan is constantly moving and circulating air on them. And I usually will just look and give them a feel to see if they... Sometimes you can harden them too fast if the air is too strong or anything on them and they can dry out quick. That's not good. You want them just to to go at the right rate. And it does take some finesse. I mean, if you're just starting off, it's going to... There's going to be some failures, but that's okay. You'll get there. So that, that's the fun part. That's the art behind it more than anything, yeah.
2: And are you, uh, no, this this was a sirloin. I
0: have a strip loin. Strip loin, yep. sorry.
2: Uh, those are all ribeyes in there.
0: No, most of those, so those are the strip, the rib ends of the strip loins that are facing oh, okay. out. Yeah, So we use we do mostly strip loins here for dry aging. Um, we do ribs every now and again, but I feel like you're, you get more flavor out of the strip because there is less protecting it. You have the bone and you have the fat on either side, but it's a thin layer that's all the way through. Usually when you dry edge the rib, you have that cap and wedge meat that sits on top, so you don't have that great flavor development. And that's me personally, but that's, I, that's why I like that strip loin.
1: Now, you could age any cut. Like yeah. there, there's many different types out there ribs are another I mean, we've done out, top round we've done a mock tender yeah um, we've done all sorts of different cuts yeah. we just prefer the strip one here people age briskets but that's yes. not really, you don't
2: really want to smoke that
0: so yeah exactly we've done that we've dry-aged briskets here and the flavor was incredible from a dry age standpoint it took went a lot faster from a cooking standpoint too yeah. just because you've lost a lot of the moisture but the smoking—we tried smoking it. You cannot taste the smoke. The smoke wasn't able to penetrate because of that moisture loss. So, it, it still was a great piece of meat. But I just wouldn't—I wouldn't smoke it. I would just take it and cook it in the oven.
2: Well, especially if you're working on barbecue, you're—you're you're trying to get as much out of that as you can. Exactly. So yeah. You, you're gonna lose. Like, do you keep track of how much you lose on the?
1: Usually
0: when it's sitting in there, so from a moisture loss standpoint, you're going to lose about 17%. And when we did the dry-aged brisket, we compared it to a wet-aged and cooked. And they actually ended up, through the cooking process, ended up losing the same percentage of moisture overall. So you're going to have a very similar yield in it, um, but it's just not worth dry-aging if you're ultimately going to smoke it. Because the smoke flavor is great on its own. Dry-aged flavor is great on its own. This don't mesh well
1: now that now it's loin, if we go back to that one that's going to be a different yield process that's something we grill and before we can ever grill it after it comes out of the dry aging room we have to trim that down we have to trim that crust completely off so we're going to lose a large that's why dry aging that's why dry aged steaks are so expensive because their yield is so low yeah right you take the the price per weight and you have to multiply that because they're losing so
2: much plus they have to you're cutting off some of the fat, you're cutting off some of the outsides because yeah, that's gotta just be not to be good yeah. to eat. Did yeah. Yeah. you put it, I, I hear some people put it in grinds.
0: So the trim and stuff, I would not, just because it's it can have mold on it and you just don't know everything that is there. Um, you can throw some, if I trim this down and let's say I had um, some stew pieces or vein end or whatever, you could throw that into grinds, that would be fine. Yeah. Um, I have seen people take some of that trim and actually put it down into a stock. And that would be okay because you're going to boil that water. It's going to get really hot. It should eliminate everything. And then you have like a, a dry aged beef stock, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, usually most of the trim would be discarded more more than anything. I think,
1: I think you got to be really careful when you start playing with that trim, that, that crust is what we call it. It's got some mold. It's got some different things on it. Unless you're doing some really intense bacterial testing or whatever, you don't know what's there. So I think sometimes it's better to to discard yeah. and eat the good stuff in th- the middle.
0: I think the common perception is that, oh, everything's okay as long as it's not black mold. Well, that's not true. Like Molds are many different colors. You can have black molds that are good. You can have black molds that are bad. So you you can't just identify it with your eye. You really need to know what types of molds are there. And so it's better just to, from a food Be safety safe, standpoint. Cut off all the edges. Yeah. Just
2: cook the good part the exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> and even in the
2: middle, I mean, it's got this, blue cheese, nutty, Yeah, yeah. it's a really yeah. delicious. So is, is dry aging your favorite experiment or have you done some others in here that you you excited about the results?
0: Um, I like making sausages. It's not really an experiment, but it's just fun. And you, you, it's sausages usually, is hard. Yeah, I usually sing while I do it and it just <laughs> makes it relaxing and I don't 90s know. 90s hits or what? Um, it depends, like sometimes I go like complete Italian opera type, oh. and then just, you, know, it, it, you gotta Classy. get in, in the mo- mode for it, yeah, the mood for it, yeah. you gotta just be, feel feel the song. big lungs. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> she does make, it's kind of cool, her sausage is, is pretty neat because she tries to get stuff from, different recipes from all over the world, so she's made recipes from, uh, and usually they'll add some pork sausage or something in that, but she then will convert that, so make it an all beef sausage. Um, so that's, then like
0: Korea, yeah. Russia, Italian. so basically I'll look, I'll look on Google, but for that country and kind of figure out what their local recipes yeah. are and stuff. Some of them are dry
1: down in the dry aging room, but some of them we would do fresh. Yeah. So. Well, and I, I
2: like the idea of experimenting and and a lot of people in Texas put beef fat in, even in their pork sausage mm-hmm. because the pork just doesn't have enough of that kind of juicy Same. fat. Yeah. To make yeah. a good sausage.
0: Yeah. That's what's cool. That's
2: do, you, do
1: you have a favorite sausage that you've made is he so, your my, my, <laughs> my favorite that she makes is probably the mortadella that's mortadella she also makes a really good chorizo and menguisa there's a bunch she has a bunch that are really really good
0: see one of my favorites <coughs> is the uh lucanico and it's a greek sausage and it's actually has orange zest in it and the first time i made it like you have to, it's a lot of orange zest and i thought like I really hope that I cannot taste the orange zest in it after I cook it because I don't want to do this ever again, but you can, um, and it's fantastic. And so actually that inspired, because I tasted it one day, had that sauce, I'm like, wow, this is really good. I kind of want a blue moon, like as I'm eating this sausage, I'm like, that's really cool. We should make all these sausages and then do beer pairing with the sausage. And then I met Christina Garbo, and she knows everything there is to know about beer. And so i like, Christina, can we come up with these different sausages, and then you pair beers to them? Yeah, that's not a problem. I'm like, okay, this is, this is great. So we actually had a session here where we all made sausages, and then she had paired beers to those sausages. So you got to experience different flavors based off of the beer that you were drinking, and it was a lot of fun.
1: She's also done some really kind of fun sausages, like the uh, she did pumpkin spice uh, or pumpkin spice here this fall.' It was kind of fun. And then she does she does one that's kind of like a playoff of like a, a blood sausage type. Oh of a, yeah, where it turns that. it completely black. So
0: uh, this is Chef Tony with his big ideas. He wanted a blood sausage, and I don't like blood sausage. I think it's gross. Um, so I told him that, that I wasn't going to do it, but then he kept asking about it. So I took uh, charcoal powder and I mix that in with a sausage. Well, the fat can't absorb that charcoal powder, so it leaves these bright white particles within the sausage itself, and it looks like a blood sausage. It keeps taking it to all these different events, and people do not believe that it's not a blood sausage when they see it, and then they taste it like, oh, wow, it's this really is really good. good. So, it's fun.
2: It's uh, <clears throat> like activated charcoal, like the stuff that people eat, like hippies drink.
0: <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, do they drink that? <laughs> yeah, That's
2: like supposed to be a cleanser, you drink activated okay. charcoal.
0: Yeah, I've never tried drinking it. Where do you, is it? Tony gets it from Japan. Oh, okay. Fancy charcoal. Yeah, I don't know. Here Yamasan usually, he works for us. He usually brings it over when he comes. That stuff though, I mean, it it gets everywhere. Uh, It's very hard to get off. Yeah, You'll probably sneeze later and and it it was, yeah, it's everywhere.
2: (laughs) So uh, you just had a bunch of barbecue people in. Uh, What's next? on your agenda in the next few weeks? You got some fun groups coming through?
0: So I think next yeah. Monday we have, so we don't do this often, but we have like an evening in red here where we're actually going to do a coursed-out dinner throughout the Culinary Center. So they'll start back here and have one course and then they move up to the island and have another course and finish off in the dining room. So it'd be neat to showcase the whole building. And then you guys. Yeah, we have,
1: then later in the week we have a Korean retailer that's coming in that has a Korean kind of grocery store. Um, so they'll they'll come in and they'll do very similar what we do with the barbecue group we'll break down a side and talk about the different cuts and how they could be used in different Korean markets so
0: the cool part is I feel like with that like they most of the time they don't know how to speak English or a few of them might but they still get a great education Mm -hmm. out of it. Like I always, I find it neat, like there's one time where we had a group in um, and none of them spoke English, but at one point we were all laughing together. Because there's just something happened and it was funny and like this is is what life is about. It's just where you can find those common connections and just laugh and have a good time. And so that's the fun part (coughs) back here. In fact,
1: about a year ago, or actually it was over the summer, we had a dry-aged steak um, that was actually much longer than 150 days. We aged it for 365 days. And when we had this international group in, they actually came in and everyone sang happy birthday to it in about how many different languages? There's 13
0: this. different languages we all yeah. sang. It was, uh, we it was pretty cool. in the middle cool.
1: of the room and everyone surrounded it. We
0: made it a little cake. Yeah. It was red velvet and white marbled. Uh-huh. Yeah. How crazy
1: did that taste?
0: The, uh, the dry age, it wasn't that it good, wasn't like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard I've heard that even... You know that a lot of people's sweet spot is like thirty to fifty days. See, but I this like, is pretty good for one hundred fifteen. That's delicious. I,
0: I call it my savory spot. Savory, and then but between eighty and one hundred and twenty days, I feel like that's the that's if you go past one twenty, that's even pushing it. Mm-hmm. But if you go past one twenty, it almost gets tough. Yeah, it just loses. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. not yeah. worth it. Yeah,
2: dry, dry. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Like, dry age yes like dry dry extra wise jerky dry age well so you both get to work together and it sounds like you worked together before so and i mean obviously it's like a playground in here uh you don't really like fight much huh you just you get along great you get to laugh together you
0: take all the aggression on in the cutting (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to worry about it then as much at home It, it works out
2: and uh how did you get connected with Certified Angus Beef? Because I mean, obviously, this isn't there's only two people in this science um, in the center, so
1: it's, it's not an easy job to get. So there, so I will say that there are a few others. That have, they are meat scientists, like our president, for has a meat science degree. But um, he's busy doing other yes, stuff. Yes, yeah. We, but we do have a few meat scientists that actually come over and help when we have large groups. Um, yeah, but this is kind of, I guess, her main thing day in and day out.
0: And the only reason why, he got a position at Ohio State, and they have a research center here in Worcester, and so that's what moved us to Worcester, Ohio, and then I found out certified Angus Beef was in town, and four or five months after we moved, I got a position here, and yeah. Then he realized how great working with beef was rather than poultry, and... Join well, that's why someone said you were
2: a chicken guy before. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah yep. It's going to take a it. while to live that one down,
0: huh? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that everyone is aware of that one. <laughs> well, now the world knows. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, well, so one of the last things I ask anyone who's on the show is, uh, what's your message to people who are, you know, we have uh, a lot of Texas fans, A&M, uh, people that are in ag, meat sciences. What's your message to someone who's an aspiring meat scientist or someone who's excited about their own dry-age
0: project at home? I'd say mine would be is don't be afraid to try things. Uh, Reach out to people for help whenever you can. And that's building that community of people, especially barbecue world. I'm always amazed by how nice and friendly everyone is and just willing to help out. Never be afraid to ask. Never be too proud to ask for help. Even from a meat science standpoint, if you're looking to get into the meat industry, the minute someone asks me about getting excited about meat science. I love meat science. So yes, I want to talk to you about it as much as I can. So that that's always just reach out for help whenever you can because people really want to help.
1: Yeah. yeah. There, I think there are, and I didn't know about even a meat science education or a career in meat science until I got into college and then kind of open the doors and open your ideas about that. So I think just like you're saying, just keep, keep your mind open and keep thinking about all these different options you have. You'd be surprised at all the opportunities that will come your way if you kind of, just leave them open. Mm-hmm. Talk to your local butcher. Yeah. Go, go into your local
2: pit rooms. Yeah. Maybe yeah. ask permission if they look hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> that might always be good first. <laughs> but do you have a story from how you got into these
1: things from before you got your meat science degrees?
0: How did you get in?
1: So I guess I, so I actually grew up on a farm. Both of us are from Illinois originally. I grew up on a small farm um, in a small town in southern Illinois. Um, And basically, I grew up around cattle, wanted to be a veterinarian. My whole, from when I was this big all the way until I was in college. And then once I got into college, I realized that probably wasn't the career path that I truly desired. Once I saw kind of what what a veterinarian does day in and day out. And when I saw this whole research realm and what, that seemed much more exciting to me. So I switched my gears. I ended up actually being on the meat judging team we talked about earlier. And then um, that kind of sparked my interest in meat science and then got into grad school and yeah, the rest is pretty much history. So, judging then science, yeah. I got mm-hmm. to judging and then that's cool, yeah.
0: That was pretty much. I mean, you started working at the meat lab when I was a sophomore in college just to make money and help pay for school. Dr. Tom Carr, he was our meat judging coach, he asked me if I wanted to judge. I told him I had no idea what I was doing. He's like, That's that's perfect, we need you. So, I started doing that and went downhill after there yeah it's a blast oh, no. yeah yes. yeah.
2: <laughs> well thank you both uh you know it's an honor to get to come here it's cool that we got to spend two days together and we even got to get some extra steak out of it all yeah of yeah. course <laughs> well, thank thanks you for joining us yeah. 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 yeah thank thanks you. for coming appreciate it yeah. you're always welcome yeah cool
0: nice job. cut then? print <laughs> all right can we redo that? no just kidding. <laughs> hey, they come in and meet me Y'all to see me eatin' now on the meat man Y'all to see me eatin' now I got jaws like a bat, trap a teeth like a razor I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster I was born out in Texas called the land of beef Never catch a muscle greener showing a hell of like a meat on the meat man